Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home. Welcome back. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Listen to Nuanez now on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in SWX Montana Television. Either way, thanks so much for joining us. Missed anything in the first hour of the show? Sean Rainey from SWX is riding with me as he does each and every Wednesday. Did a little bit of a mock draft. We got through 10 picks of the potential NFL mock draft and the way we both see it. Maybe circle back around and give you five or ten more picks uh, later on this hour. We also uh, did a little trivia and also talked a little baseball. So if you want to find anything from the first hour of the show, just head on over to the podcast. You can find it all of your podcasting platforms. Or you can find it on our station website as well, 1029ESPN.com. Podcast proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, Sportsbet Montana, and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. It's a Wednesday, so that means time for our ESPN Roundtable, which is kind of our long-form interview each and every week, and happy to welcome in University of Montana Athletic Director Kent Haslam. Kent, I know you've been on the show a couple times uh, during this crazy year, but first time in studio, so thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, it's nice to actually see people face-to-face. Big question on my mind, though, is who picks the comeback music? Uh, it's it's a variety of choices, but our uh, our producer Reese is kind of the okay. main DJ. So. Yeah, that's uh, kudos to him. He'll pull in some good '80s stuff every so often, and uh, I always appreciate that. But no, it's good to be around people. Uh, fully vaccinated today, so I feel like total <laughs> <Good>. freedom. It's, <laughs> yeah, just, right. it's great, but uh, it's been a strange spring, and it, it's nice to see though we're getting back to some feeling of normal. Unbelievable amount of things to talk about because over the last couple months. 
every sport at the University of Montana basically has been going on at some point. And it, there was a, a couple weeks there where everything was overlapping. But we'll start with soccer. The Grizz soccer team is in Wilson, North Carolina right now. The second half of the first round game in the NCAA tournament between Montana and South Carolina just got underway. We got a 0-0 tie. I don't know why they're not showing us a clock on the screen. They gave us a clock for the last four minutes of the first half, and uh, now it seems to have disappeared. But regardless, no goals yet, and we're about, oh, I would say five, five, six minutes into the second half. So we'll keep you up to date. But I mean, talk about that element because this program has been unbelievably successful since Chris Chitavitsky took over. He's in his third year and he's got two NCAA tournament appearances and a regular season big sky in between. So you must be pretty proud as the AD at Montana that uh, he's helped really keep that program rolling and uh, honestly reach new heights. Yeah, I, he is. Uh, he was an absolutely great hire. He has unbelievable energy. I know you've visited with him multiple times and you can feel and sense that energy. He's very focused. He knows what he's doing. He uh, recruits a specific way. He has a, a, a real knack of pulling out of student-athletes, I think, more than they think they can give. Um, but uh, he's, he's just a great positive addition to to our uh, athletic department. It's fun to be always down on his end of the hall. His end of the hall is a little further down the athletic department. And you walk down there, and it's always positive. And, and uh, the results are showing. There's no doubt about it. Obviously, I think... When basketball makes the NCAA tournament, that's the one that nationally people kind of know of. But when, you know, softball has made the tournament, now soccer making like the tournament, how, how big of a deal is it when these teams make the tournament? How cool is it? And also having that, you know, that national exposure. Well, I mean, how many times are we going to line up and play the University of South Carolina? That's probably not going to happen much. How many opportunities are we going to have to send our student-athletes to North Carolina and compete in an NCAA championship? So we're a Division One institution. I, I, I remind people that all the time. There's times they want to kind of uh, classify us all as FCS in all the sports that we compete in. But I remind them that our soccer team right now is competing for the same national championship as North Carolina or Stanford or whoever else might be in that tournament. We are competing with those same teams and we're a division one institution. This is the capping event is to get to this tournament. You certainly want to win when you get there, but that's the goal of, of all of our student athletes is to compete in the postseason and to play, uh, play, events that are relevant you know we talk a lot about relevance relevancy and that's something that uh, i'm always excited for them to have that nca experience when they come to the university of montana were they head to the NCAA tournament? Is it similar to basketball? Does the NCAA how does the how does the cost work? Does the NCAA send them out there? That's not an additional cost for the University of Montana, right? No, it's not. They the the NCAA gives you a certain number that they will travel. There will oftentimes be you may want to take a couple extra student athletes for the experience, and so we have to pay for that. But they give you a cap, a number that can go. Typically, you would transfer. You would travel an administrator and, and some kind of a sports information contact. This year we decided not to so that we could send the max number of student athletes that we could. So um, it's it's it ends up being a little bit of a cost for you, uh, but not not anything like what it would be when we just head off to the Big Sky Tournament in, in Weber. And fully worth it, too, just because of the way it can influence recruiting and, and prestige of the program and all those sorts of things. Ken Haslam, University of Montana Athletic Director, joining us here in studio on Nuanas now. It's our ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. So, Kent, we barely missed this because cross-country wrapped up in February, but there was uh, a little bit of a span there where there was almost every sport offered at the University of Montana going on at once, and then there was basically everything but cross-country, and even these last few weeks with Grizz football going on, pretty much you have all the spring sports, plus a couple of the fall sports like soccer that got pushed into the spring going on, so... 
what have been the the pluses and minuses of this for you? Obviously, it's awesome to have sports back. You must love it, but also probably a completely different experience than you've ever gone through when it comes to logistics and planning of all of these different events and sports. Yeah, something we don't ever want to do again. Uh, uh, there's just no doubt about it. And and even though they maybe not, were not all competing at the exact same time, they were all back into their full practice, full 20-hour per week, which is just something that we're not used to, right? In the, in the spring, soccer and football are practicing, but it's a different kind of practice. Volleyball's going, those type of things. But they're in their full... Uh, countable athletic related time that they can they can do their full 20 hours so you got to think we've got gymnasiums that are packed we've got weight rooms that are overtaxed we've got fields we've got clearing of snow we've got all this logistics that we're trying to to match up and and certainly this athletic department's not built to have all of these athletic programs running at the same time but kudos to our coaches and especially to our operational staff chuck mays and his team i, I mean you're running events that you're just not used to running uh, at a time when uh, you're typically focused on just those spring sports. So now as soccer winds down their their, their season here in the NCAA tournament, we're, we're kind of back down to where we would normally be come May. We've got graduation this weekend. We'd have outdoor track and, and um, tennis is now over. Golf is over. So we're kind of back to where we would be. But uh, it, it's something we, we don't want to ever do again. I'll be honest with you. Don't ever want to do it again. What did you think from a media perspective? I thought spring football games and playing another opponent was awesome. What did you think about those experiences? And is, is that something that you would maybe want to see and trying to? I know that some of the coaches have talked about that possibility. Like, what, what about from your perspective on playing a, somebody else rather than having it be a spring game? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it, and I heard the interview you had with Coach Barnum where he said he'd hoped that the NCA would, would open that up, that, that potentially you could play another opponent in the spring, and I would be very much in favor of that. Uh, I, I, I don't think I know that uh, Montana State and the University of Montana made the right decision the way we did it. Now, I, I think Montana State, had they not had a coaching change, and I want to speak for Leon, I'm sure they would have tried to schedule a couple games, sure. but sure. once you've got a new coach coming in, you're thinking, why, why are we trying to schedule outside yeah, opponents? Totally. So, but I, I think we took the right approach and even right now serving on the FCS championship committee in the thick of playoffs there was a little bit of uh, of FOMO a little fear of missing out when I went to the Weber game and you're sitting there thinking oh we could be pretty good but then reality struck and and it told me it's April 24th and we're playing Washington on September 4th and what we were doing is the right thing so we got out of that spring from an academic or from an athletic department standpoint exactly what we wanted coach Howe could could be better at talking about what he got it from an athletic standpoint but it, it was the right move it was such a heavily scrutinized move at first because obviously the fans, they're always going to want football, always. You're going to play football, we want it. We want to go, we want to watch it, we want to cheer on the Grizz, Bobcats, whoever might be playing. By the way, we finally got a score clock, so 34 minutes and 52 seconds left in the match. Wilson, North Carolina, 0-0 still uh, tied between the uh, Gamecocks of South Carolina and the University of Montana soccer team. But yeah, Ken, it was it was interesting um, watching all of the variations of football that were played by Big Sky teams this spring. I got kind of into it at first because the games were on right after we would get done with basketball. So I would go interview Travis DeCure or Danny Sprinkle, and then we would go write our stories because the basketball games were early. So we would turn on you know, whatever Big Sky game was on. But then, uh, you know, as the season kind of wore on and teams kept dropping out, and then all of a sudden people are injured. Regardless, it just seemed like Montana 
specifically playing the two opponents, was able to really maximize its time, maximize the potential development that could come from this period, but also not get so banged up that you sacrifice uh, the 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 uh, potential that could be for both Montana and Montana State in the fall season as well. So, I mean, after this is all said and done, you kind of had a first-hand view. You mentioned you were on the FCS playoff committee too. So, uh, you said it's unquestionably the right decision. I totally agree with that, but everything that went into it, I mean, it seems like Montana and Montana State are kind of actually coming out of this thing smelling like a rose compared to where the other Big Sky teams were at. Yeah, and um, certainly you'd love to You'd love to hoist a national championship trophy, and and who knows what what will happen with that over the next next few weeks. But in reality, as you as we entered into the first of the year, and there were two main factors that played into this. Was certainly we were hopeful that we could play maybe three or four home football games in front of full crowds. So that's your first kind of living in la-la land, maybe. <laughs> and uh, when that was very apparent that that was not going to happen, and then it was Coach Houck that would really continue to to say, Kent, I just don't know if this is a good idea. And then me being the AD is like, oh, they always want to play. Let's go play. But it was kind of a reality check, check when Bobby came in and said, look, I just don't see this as being healthy or a good move for us. And then I think I've shared with you before, it was – Leon and I, uh, Leon Costello and I look at each other and kind of like, are you thinking the same thing I'm thinking? And am I thinking the same thing you're thinking? And kind of looked at each other saying that there's really no reason for us to be doing this. So I, I really selfishly think we got, we got out of the spring, that full complement of practices, all of those things that you'd normally be able to, or that you would have done if you would have been competing. And then we got to hit, hit another opponent, play another opponent and kind of get our program even back started again and we did a few things just from an operational side we've shifted to mobile ticketing it gave us a chance to to practice mobile ticketing for two games with only 5000 people there we did some different things with our suites we 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 tried some different things with entrances and exits and all those things that um that I think will serve us really well going forward i just remember late in the year when we got that massive storm and it was like minus you know 15 with the wind chill i was like yeah just so everyone knows like they would have had been practicing outside right now had they been playing in the spring, which you know it's just been wild. Yeah, and I think it was just yeah. I think it was a week before we would have gone to NAU yeah. to play that late February game, and so that that played into the, played into it as well. Had, had we had a full indoor practice facility, maybe it changes what we do, but um, it, it certainly uh, put that at the forefront. Now we get to go talk to our donors and say, hey, we need a, we need an indoor practice facility. It's jump started that. Let's just say that. <laughs> ESPN Roundtable with University of Montana Athletic Director Kent Haslam. It is presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. You're listening to Nuanez now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. The South Carolina Gamecocks, they just scored on a header. So it's one nothing South Carolina in the first round of the NCAA Women's Soccer Tournament. Uh, about 30 minutes left in this match. I have one more question about the football element before we get into some of the, the Lady Grizz coaching search stuff, Kent. Um, from a facilities perspective, if, say, you have a bunch of snow on the field, that's an incur- that's an additional cost for the athletic department, right? Like you have to go, you have to call Chuck May's facility director, and then you guys have to get the the field plowed and shoveled and all this stuff. And I mean, that's a bill that you have to pay every time it happens, right? Correct. Yeah, no, that's a bill we pay all the time. And, and in Montana, that could be a very expensive bill in January and February, right? Yeah, and then you don't even take into consideration if you're clearing the stands and all that. We're just clearing the field because that field gets used by multiple teams. Soccer's out there, and football's obviously out there, and and track will use it. Some others, lacrosse sometimes. 
sometimes. Yeah, uses and, it and then too. we rent it out. We'll to rent the, it out to other other places. Sure. Too. Yeah. So yeah, no, that 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 uh, snow all has to get pushed to the north end zone. Then a big uh, front loader comes in, scoops it out, and goes and dumps it somewhere. I don't know where they're dumping it in in the river or where they're dumping it, but <laughs> it goes somewhere. Well, that's how it kind of went down uh, a couple springs ago. That's why uh, Jeff Chota, Montana State, he basically called off the second half of spring ball because they got in the situation where they had so much snow stacked up at Bobcat Stadium, there was no sidelines. So nobody could even stand. And then they're thinking, okay, well, what happens when we stack this snow up and then it floods and then the whole, I mean, we're ruining the stadium, so you can't do it. So, uh, <laughs> good decision. To not play. <laughs> a, lot more, a lot more to it than people think. <laughs> well, and that's it too with the Big Sky Conference, right? The fact is you have three schools in California plus Portland State on the West Coast. So they're not dealing with the same deal. You also have Idaho, Idaho State, Northern Arizona, they all play inside. So they don't deal with the same thing. And, and then, you know, Weber, a little bit more mild climate there to southern utah same thing so there was no really apples to apples besides montana montana state northern colorado and those three teams all said thanks but no thanks so i mean it, it isn't it isn't the same because the big sky is so far flung and uh, and so widespread and, and so many different climates and states and all that stuff uh last thing on football the um FCS playoffs got underway this last weekend. Uh, 16-team bracket instead of a 24-team bracket, so only four seeds instead of eight. I know Weber State probably would have gotten a seed if it would have been the normal 24 teams with eight seeds, but uh, no seed for any Big Sky team. Weber State, Easter Washington, the only two Big Sky uh, representatives, but you are on the selection committee for that. So what was it like sort of picking a playoff field? Because only half the teams in the FCS are playing. I mean, I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Missouri Valley is the only league that has everybody that's playing. Indiana State. Uh, uh, Indiana oh, that's State, right. They so, tapped out. So there was no league that even had everybody. Playing. Yeah, and Illinois State opted out partway through. Now that that was a really interesting process for me, just as the selection side of it. And and I'll I'll tell you, had we had we seated eight, I really think Weber would have been five, and Eastern Washington would have been probably seven or eight. Um, but for me, picking getting the sixteen teams was was not simple because it's never simple, but. It, there was a clear break, in my opinion, between 16 and 17. The seeding part of it, though, it took us took us forever. Uh, it, it was it was a four hour process, and partway through, I'm thinking, "Gosh, why are we even seeding teams? Because this is really, really right. difficult." And um, and you know, I got got a little bit of uh, a little bit of heat from Weber State when I was there last week. Is hey, why didn't we get a seed? And tried to explain them and talk through. Uh, how difficult that process was, the evaluation process of of going through, and that the toughest thing was there were just no, there were so limited out of conference comparators. Those that had built an right. out of conference comparator, like Jacksonville State, and uh, and others, even James Madison, they played two out of conference teams against um, Robert Morris and Moorhead State. I get that those aren't two powers in FCS, but they're out of conference, and sure. you can evaluate them. And so it, it really became difficult to seed those teams. Um, but I think you know. I think we got it right. Some don't. Do, don't some don't agree with us. But uh, and then the regionality. I told Weber State, look, Southern Illinois was coming, whether they were seated or not. Southern Illinois was coming to Weber State, and there was really no other matchup than Eastern Washington and North Dakota State because teams couldn't play each other again, and we had to factor in bus trips. And there's just there's not a bus that's going from uh, Davidson, North Carolina, to Ogden, Utah. So that's just not happening. <laughs> I mean, Coach Hawk had a pretty um, you know. Funny Coach Houck response to the <laughs> is, that, is that what you call to the it? FCS? Funny? Yeah, you know we're you know a, a classic Coach Houck response. Um, you know when when asked if uh, about the legitimacy legitimacy of the the playoffs, saying no because. We're not playing in it. The, the new guys are kind of getting used to it, too. The, yeah. the new media guys, they didn't quite get it at yeah. first, uh, and now they're kind of getting used guys, to it a little you, bit. You guys chuckled, right? Yeah, you, right. yeah, yeah, yeah right. it was great. Um, you know, and he's just having fun with it. Um, you, obviously, having a different perspective, kind of being more in it. Um, how, like, 
how legitimate is it in in your eyes? Like, can whoever wins this thing be able to hoist it? And to me, like, this the the thing that gets jumbled with this is like the record books too, and even like the two. Grizz games of the spring, like all of those stats count, which kind of is a little bit interesting. Like, hey, if I was a former player and I didn't get all these extra games, like I'd be kind of, I'd be like, hey, for you know, sure, right? I need, I need more stats here. So I don't know, just like your perspective on that. Oh no, it's a legitimate yeah. championship. Yeah. It absolutely is, and whoever wins it will win that championship, and they'll get a trophy, and they'll be able to call themselves the champions of the spring twenty one season. I guess they'll be the twenty. 21 champs, but no, it's a legit, it's a legit uh, championship. Uh, great teams are competing, and uh, it, it is. I mean, it's the record books. We'll figure all that out. Everyone's getting an extra year anyway. You're such a baseball geek that you know records are so. <laughs> you, you don't ever want to touch those yep. records, and I totally get that. But um, but uh, we we long ago crossed that because now we count playoff games, and yep. uh, I mean. What has Major League Baseball given him a given Baumgartner a no no yet or not? No, I don't think so. Okay, as of yet. yeah, no, they're, but they haven't figured it out either. Yep. When you talk about sitting on this committee, what's the actual process like? I mean, you bring Big Sky teams to the table, and there's representatives from other conferences too. I mean, how does sort of the here's who I'm nominating, so to speak, for the bracket work? Well, we're we are charged with with really evaluating the entire the entire um, nation. So right. I'm assigned to the Ohio Valley Conference as a secondary observer, and then I. I obviously observe out west, which includes the Southland Conference and the Big Sky Conference. Right. So one of the first things that we do do when we get there is we sit around, when we sit around the table is we we bring up the teams that we think have a legitimate re, a legitimate chance to be in there, and that that number might be on a normal year of twenty four. That might be fifty teams, and so we put forward everyone that we think we need to talk more about, mm-hmm. and then you go through and start to scrub those teams. But it's a really uh, it's a process, and it's a very in many ways quite scientific. And then there's just some observations that you use as well, but the NCAA is a, is really good at running championships, and they're really good at giving you a lot of data to compare, and we, we have strict uh, rules that we follow for qualification and evaluation, and we go through and we tick through all of them, and we put teams up on there and don't have a logo by them, and we look at their credentials and say, okay, how would you rate this team not knowing that that's North Dakota State or that's Jacksonville State? Whenever it's Montana, I have to step out of the room, so it was nice this year. I never had to step out of the room, that's interesting. Um, but I leave. I leave whenever Montana's discussed or voted on, mm-hmm. and whenever Montana comes up for any kind of a vote, I don't have an option to vote for him. So um, the NCAA knows what they're doing when it comes to championships, that's for sure. As we switch over to the Lady Grizz head coaching search and everything, I, I want to ask one question. Only one word answer here. Going through a coaching search is blank. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> Especially during this time though, right? Because I mean, you're just, you're just on Zoom for your whole life, right? Basically while you're this doing time, this. This yeah. time is really right. hard. I'm going to say that it's, it's hell for me and those that cover it. I know Coulter kind of likes it a little bit more than I do. <laughs> I go to Coulter to figure out who I, the is. I, I hate going through the coaching search stuff and covering it's it. I, it's so, uh, it's like, it's my least favorite thing about my job, which, and if that's the least favorite thing, then I can't really complain. Yeah, but, you got a pretty um, good it's, job. It's a bit interesting, though, that, yeah, yeah that, was a, that was a good answer. Ken. And, I, and I shouldn't <laughs> probably use that word. Um, it's, it, it's interesting. It's tough because yeah. in many cases, uh, you have had to make a change that necessarily isn't fun, or you've lost a coach uh, that you are you really hate to see go. Right. And so you got the emotional side of this one. This one was uh, searching for the Lady Grizz coach was was ex- extremely tough for me, just even personally, because I was so in debt. We were so in debt to Mike Petrino and the great work that him that he did and that staff did, and so you're excited for Brian Holsinger, but you're also you feel 
horrible for Mike Petrino. And so that one even brought a more difficult dynamic to this one. But they're they're not fun to do. Agents have become so much a part of this now. Right. And all really not not in soccer and volleyball and those, but I'll tell you, I, I I was a bit blown away by how many agents got involved in the women's basketball search. And they're good and they can help you, but they also have an agenda as well. So uh, it, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. But head coaching searches you have to put your head down and just kind of plow through it. And um and then as you get to the end, people are dropping off. They're coming back in. They're negotiating. They're doing all these kind of things. So, yeah, they're 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 tough to they're tough to they're tough to manage, but you want to keep them moving in the right direction. You've been doing this for a while now. So, what has changed the most about coaching searches in general? Because you mentioned agents, but now there's like search committees, or there's also the the search firms that are maybe third party. So, I mean, what have you seen as an athletic director evolve when it comes to hiring coaches? Well, they're all they're all very very different, right? So, I knew this one for the Lady Grizz. We we really needed a full on national search, and. Um, Early on in other searches, I'll use Coach Houck, I'll use Travis DeCure as examples. You hone in pretty quick on who you'd like, and then it's just a matter of keeping that moving and keeping that person on the hook and keeping that person moving forward as other people are starting to kind of nip at them. And, and this one was, was very different because we did uh, purposely have a full-on search committee with everybody involved. I wanted a diverse search committee. I wanted representation from around. This one took probably a little longer than I would have liked. Um, Zoom uh, probably slowed it down a little bit, but it you know it also makes a, a great way to connect too. But um, every search is different. Every search is different, and. Um, I think back even on Jamie Pinkerton, like that was a wide open one. Like we never had a softball mm-hmm, program. Sure. We, we had we had public forums. We had open forums. Right. We're not going to do that with certain coaches, sure, because you're going to lose good coaches. If if you know if right. Travis DeCure had to come in here and do an open forum, we weren't going to get him as our head coach. Right. Totally. totally. <laughs> and so um, it, it's you know even as I was watching the Montana State search for their football coach, I could just I could just empathize with Leon and what he was trying to move and how he's trying to move all those things around. But certainly uh, agents and you, you, you want to find people who just come in with no agenda and, and, and can give you some some really good advice. But uh, we've not used a search firm yet. They still kind of get involved a little bit. Um, and uh, agents certainly get involved. As a sports director at like a beginning market, you know, we're kind of filtering through new reporters all the time. And those get like a ton of applicants. And I've found when we've gone through those hiring processes is like you might talk to a bunch of people in the beginning and then you get certain you know, feelings or um, judgments about certain people the first time you talk to them, you're like, oh, that person, and then you go through it again, and some of those, like, might change, or you might remember it a little bit differently. What is that like as far as going through the different rounds and how maybe, like, your opinion can form and change, and it can change throughout, like, the the process of it? And it definitely does. I mean, I'm sure I could ask both of you the list of general questions, and and you'd know how to answer them. I mean, you're you're not gonna tell me you know, wow, I think this place is horrible and I don't (laughs) think I can win here. Right. Like you're going to get those standard answers. And so, uh, the one great thing, and I, and I felt like we had to do this even in this COVID environment was to get the, get those candidates on campus to look at them face to face. That's, that's when you really start to see how they interact. That's how you see how they treat other people. You put them through a long day and you kind of see how they, how they react to some of those things. But, and then there are some that just don't do a good job interviewing, uh, via zoom or via conference call. And so getting them face-to-face where you can get them to relax a little bit and you can see kind of who they are. And then you, I really rely on just people uh, that I've got to know 
over time that will give me good, honest assessments. That's that's the key. That's the key because if you go to the if you go to the on list references, like Sean Rainey's never going to put on a list of references. Someone's going to say that guy's an idiot. Don't hire <laughs> right. him. Right, right. right. It's so only you, the best of the best. It's only right. the best. So I only best. have about one or two names yeah. on there. You got know? <laughs> so you got to dig through and 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 go find Coulter, who you're not going to put on the list. to give me an honest evaluation. But but it's it's no different than anything else. Yeah. But but the response is pretty remarkable and. And everyone thinks they can be a head coach. You've got, you know, frustrated lawyers who said, I've always wanted to coach or a high school coach. He's probably a great coach. We we probably passed on maybe a John a future John Wooden. I have no idea. Sure. But then you get to a point where you've got to evaluate. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. It is our ESPN Roundtable with University of Montana Athletic Director Kent Haslam. South Carolina leads the University of Montana soccer team one nothing. Ooh, opportunity though. Oh, Lady Grizz just got one blocked at the goal. A really good goal chance. But about 18 minutes left, Grizz Soccer Trail South Carolina in the first round of the NCAA Women's Soccer Tournament. And so we'll keep you up to date as this match continues to march on. Uh, last couple things for you, Kent. Before we get into Brian Holsinger, because I do want to talk about him a little bit, the the element of money in terms of the dichotomy, or I guess the, the divide between the Power Five and uh, the mid-major college sports, it's so profound now. And that's one thing I think is so interesting when it comes to these coaching searches is even if you're trying to hire a, an assistant at a Power Five school like Brian Holsinger was at Oregon State, the amount of money that the, they're making is comparative. And, and we're talking about football, oftentimes far exceeds what you, you could be paid as a head coach in Montana. So how much does that add to the challenge? Oh, that's a huge challenge. Huge challenge. And, and I, you know, Brian, I, I mean, I know exactly what he made at Oregon State because I did that research beforehand. But, you know, it's, it isn't a gigantic jump for him to come totally. and be the head coach at a Division One program with as much sex, success as we have had. Right. You would, you would think that would be. And, and the days of... Grizzly football hiring the offensive coordinator from a Pac-12 school are done. Like, right? And 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 sometimes our fans feel like that's what we should be able to do. Right. But I mean, Pac-12 offensive coordinators are making bare minimum like four hundred and fifty thousand oh, dollars yeah. now, right? I mean, more, yeah. more like six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars. Exactly. So three times as much as what Montana or Montana State could pay their head coach. Yep. So you're going to have to find coaches that. Um, are, are kind of up and coming and want to be here and then you do your very best to hold them on or you find somebody like Bobby Houck who just cherishes this place so much and um, and wants so desperately to be successful for his alma mater and then you get lucky and you know find a Travis DeCure who who wants that that chance to, to be a head coach I remind him I remind him I'm like look there's only one person that gets to stand up in a basketball game one coach gets to stand up <laughs> right. all the other ones get told to sit down you've all seen it right, and I go sure. do, you, do you want to be the one standing up then, then come come be our head coach. Has there been, and you don't have to like mention names or anything, I'm just curious, like you have the search committee and everybody's, you know, talking and I'm sure you're like, the majority might end up liking a certain, you know, candidate. I'm just curious, like, because ultimately this decision comes down to you and that obviously has got to be a, a very interesting and, and sometimes very challenging position. Has there been times where like maybe the majority wanted somebody else, but ultimately it comes down to you? And you maybe go the other way, or or foot flopped, because um, I just I imagine like you have so many people in your ear all the time, and that's probably got I imagine got to be one of the a nice thing because you have support, but also like one of the most difficult things at the same time. Yeah, every, any any head coach I've hired has not been a unanimous pick from everybody. I can tell you that, and 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 that you don't want it to be that way. But I when I bring people in to help me, I tell them right up front: Look, I may not choose the person you want, and if you can't still be my friend, or we can't still have a relationship, if I don't pick that person, then I genuinely don't want you to help me search for this because my relationship with you is far more important than how we hire this coach. And so I tell people that straight up. 
And then I remind him at the end, remember, we had this conversation and uh, I want you to be supportive. I, if you can't support us moving forward, regardless of who we hire, then uh, then you, I don't want you on the search committee. And But everybody to a T has always done that. And, and the searches have been very different. They've been very different. Um, some have been two or three people helping you. Some have been eight or nine like this one was. Some have been huge, you know, when we've been thousands. All of, <laughs> yeah, all no. of Grizz Nation always <laughs> sending emails, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. So that's... that's the, I don't necessarily want to have uh, unanimous. I, I like to have good counter opinions that keep you keep you thinking. Well, last thing for you then, Brian Holsinger rises to the top, and he's the new Lady Grizz head coach. And I had coffee with him before the Portland State game, and it was uh, I think he's an awesome guy, very personable, very uh, engaging. I think he'll fit right in at Montana and and in the state of Montana in general. But what did you like about him, and what do, what do you think is makes him the guy to lead the Lady Grizz going forward? I, I really liked his perspective on recruiting. I liked his broad-based recruiting approach. Uh, I liked this idea that he had um, been in Montana for two years at Montana Tech. He knows full well what this program means to us and means to this community, means really to this state. And, and we've got to be able to recruit great Montana young ladies. But we've also, I think, if we're, if we're not going to, to deal in the world of the transfer portal or we're not going to deal in the world of international players, we're going to fall behind. And it's just the reality that we face now. Like it or not, it's the reality we face. So certainly his energy, his experience, his broad-based recruiting approach, um, he's, he's a great teacher. He's been taught by some great, great head coaches. I like the idea that he'd... Uh, Spent a lot of time in the Pacific Northwest. I still think that's our anchor of where we need to be to be successful. And then, um, you know, I'll be excited to see kind of the, the the staff that he puts together. We we t- we touched on this, but Jordan Sullivan has been retained as a, a Lady Grizz head coach. So I think, or excuse me, assistant coach by new head coach Brian Holzinger. So uh, he will probably be filling out his staff throughout the rest of the month. But. We got to wrap. We could talk for a long time because I still have many more questions, but that's okay. We got to get out because we're up against it. Uh, but we will be uh, giving you more updates from the world of college athletics, specifically the University of Montana and Montana State, as we continue to march on. But it has been our ESPN Roundtable with University of Montana Athletic Director Kent Haslam. It's presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. You need any place to watch the NFL draft tomorrow night? Going down to Paradise Falls. They have 30 big screen TVs, 18 draft beers. They have an early and late happy hour on Thursday night, so that could be good for you. So Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street in Missoula. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, everything in between. Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Kent, appreciate you taking so much time. It's been great having you, and you're welcome back anytime. But uh, thanks so much. Appreciate oh, it. You're very welcome. Anytime. Get me and Leon on here one time. <laughs> that would actually be really fun. Yeah, that should. actually would be fun, the comparing yeah. and contrasting yeah. of the athletic directors. Nuana is now coming back. We're going to talk more NFL draft, continue our mock draft, and probably talk a little FCS football as well. So keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Welcome back here. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. 
Statewide Television, SWX Montana TV. I'm Coulter Nuwanish. Sean Rainey from SWX Montana is joining me in studio like he does each and every Wednesday. University of Montana women's soccer team playing in the NCAA tournament. Less than 10 minutes left, probably about eight minutes left in their first round match against South Dakota. South Carolina in North Carolina. They're in Wilson, North Carolina, but they're playing South Carolina, and they trail one nothing. They have had a couple late chances here, but South Carolina, 7.54 officially remaining. The scoreboard finally just came back. But Montana in the NCAA tournament uh, for women's soccer for the fifth time in school history. They trail South Carolina, 7.45, and counting one nothing. A little more mock draft action. Let's do it. So we went through the first 10 picks and kind of who we thought was going to go where and uh, how we thought maybe the first round would play out. So we'll give you a couple more picks here. Um, interesting that the New York Giants have been not very good uh, in recent years, yet they don't have a top 10 pick because they actually were a little better than anybody thought they were going to be last year. They won a couple more games than people expected, especially after Saquon Barkley went out in what week one or week two with a, a torn ACL. So the Giants... On the clock at number 11, it seems like they have some pretty good young talent skill-wise on the Giants offensively. Seems like they're okay defensively. So where do you think is the biggest need for the New York Giants at number 11? Well, do you want to, I'm going to recap my top, my 10 yeah, yeah, real tell, quick. Tell me your top um, 10. So obviously Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. I, took, I, I said Mac Jones for San Francisco. Not what I would do, but I, this is what I think is going to happen. Kyle Pitts to Atlanta at four. Jamar Chase at five to Cincinnati. Miami takes Panay Sewell. We have a trade. Detroit with New England at seven. New England trades up to get Justin Fields. The Panthers go offensive tackle. Rayshon Slater. Denver takes Patrick Sertain. I was going to say that they would maybe take Trey Lance there, but since they just traded for Bridgewater, that I don't know. That might not take them out of the quarterback market, but I'm going to go Sertain there. I said the Cowboys take J.C. Horn. And then at 11, the Giants. They are trading. The Bears at number 20 are moving up and getting Trey Lance because he fell outside of the top 10. And the Giants, like you said, like they don't have any exact pressing needs. So they can um, trade down and and get another pick or two. And the Bears are going to move up and get their guy in Trey Lance who can sit for half the year or so behind Andy Dalton. And then Trey Lance will be the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. So I'm hoping, as a Vikings fan, the Minnesota Vikings have the 14th pick and they draft tomorrow night, that the Giants do not trade out because I do think that the Giants, the Eagles, and the Chargers, none of them are in the market for a quarterback. I don't think the Vikings would be in the market for a quarterback unless a quarterback, namely the quarterback from Minneapolis, fell to them. Trey Lance is from Minneapolis. If the Vikings could get Trey Lance, I would love it. I would think it would be so great, not only because of his story and his fit, but also I just think he's he's good. I think he has a chance to be really good. So I'm hoping that there's no trades that occur there. And so assuming that there isn't a trade that occurs there, I think the Giants go offensive skill position. I think they take Devontae Smith out of Alabama, and I think that could be a, a good pickup for them because, so first of all, what is your take on Devontae Smith? There's been a lot of scuttle, a lot of haters. He's too small. He's too light. No, I like him. I'm not worried about his weight. I'm not worried about him. I think he's going to be good. I mean, he's ridiculously good, right? Yep. I mean, he's one of the better college receivers we've seen in the last 20 years. So I think it's fully translatable. Yep. You could say he weighs 165 pounds, whatever. You can't get your hands on him. I he's like so him. good no, off I, the line. I like him. Um, and we'll, we'll we'll see where I have him going here in a second. But, um, I, yeah, I don't really understand how 
I don't know. I, I wouldn't take him third among the wide receivers, which is where he's kind of projected to go. But Below Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle? Yep. I, I would take Devontae Smith over uh, Waddle for, to be sure, and probably Chase as well, honestly. Mm-hmm. I heard a good comparison. This is I'm stealing this from Max Kellerman, who does a national show during the afternoons here on ESPN Radio. Marvin Harrison? Is that a good comp for Devontae yep. Smith? I think he's more ex- a little yeah, bit more little, explosive. A little faster, a little more explosive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, small, small slight, skinny. but productive, good off the line, competitive, going to go catch the ball. I mean, Deshaun Jackson has had a good career. He, he's a twig. For sure. You know? Like, I, I think he's fine. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah. No, um, no question. Okay, so you got Dante so Smith, Smith to the Giants. Yep. Uh, the Eagles at 12, I have them taking Jalen Waddell here. Okay. Um, because I think he would pair well with Jalen Rager. Yep. And I think, you know, they just got rid of, you know, Alshon Jeffrey and they need that another receiver there. I think they're going to try and give Jalen Hurts as many weapons as possible. They could go corner here, but with I, I think they might go corner if Horn or Sertain is there. But since they're both gone, I say that the Eagles will take Jalen Waddle at twelve. I think that's actually pretty good. I, I do think that the Eagles will take whatever receiver they like best. I'm not even saying the best available receiver. I just think they'll take the best the guy that they like best that is available out of Chase Smith and Waddle. And any of the three could be available, or two out of the three might not. Maybe all three. Is there any chance that all three get drafted before the Eagles get up? I don't think so. There's a chance, yeah. You think so? Yep. If there's no trades, I think so. Because Chase is definitely going to go five or six, I think. And then if the if Detroit doesn't trade, they could take a wide receiver. And and then that would mean and if the Giants would take the third then, right before him. But I got Eagles taking Jalen Waddle. Uh, and you kind of... I, I actually agree. Totally agree. That, yeah. I actually had Waddle. No matter what happens with anything else, I thought that the, no matter who's available, I think that they will take a receiver, and I will not be surprised when it is Waddle. I do agree. I think he fits well into their offense and what they want to do. And then we got our two teams up next. That's right, Chargers, Minnesota, and I got. I got a trade here. I have Miami trading up from eighteen to thirteen. Oh boy! They took Sewell and short up that offensive line at six. They trade up with the Chargers to get their weapon in Devontae Smith here. Which I think this is perfect for both teams because the Chargers really could use offensive tackle. I think there's a gap after Sewell and Slater. And so the Chargers move down from 13 to 18. Miami goes up and gets their offensive weapon. And I think if you're a Dolphins fan, this would be just a dream scenario because you get the best offensive lineman in the draft by far. By far. And then you get Devontae Smith as the third wide receiver off the board, but could very well end up being the best wide receiver. For and sure. so I I think that if if Smith is available there and both linemen are gone, I think the Chargers and, and Dolphins should absolutely 100% do this trade. So I think that it's going to... It's funny because we, we agree with what the these teams need. It's just a, kind of the the speculation on how this is going to go. I had, for reminding everybody that wasn't listening earlier, I have Sewell from Oregon, the offensive tackle, going to the Bengals at five. And then I had Jamar Chase from LSU going to the Dolphins at six. So then with the, if the Dolphins were to trade up, then I would say that they're going to probably go for another offensive lineman. So who's the best guy left on the board? Probably the Dareshaw kid from Virginia Tech. I mean, there's a. I think that they could get a good offensive lineman in that spot. But let's say there is no trade. Yeah, they're not going to. In your scenario, they're not going to trade up if they already got their 
Right, right, right. If they right. already they'll got, just, if they got let it count. Yeah, if they got Jamar Chase at six in your scenario, right, they're just going to get best available at eighteen. Right. If so they get the lineman, I think they really want another offensive weapon. Sure. And I think there's a, a, a significant drop off from that third wide receiver to the fourth wide receiver. I agree. So with that's that. why I have them trading up in that scenario. If they didn't trade and the Chargers had the pick, what are the what are the, what are the Chargers' biggest needs? They'd probably take Darisaw. The offensive there line. at offensive, offensive line, yeah, because Tech, yep. or Elijah Vera Tucker, but he's more of a guard. I mean, they have to go offensive line. You here. think so? Have yeah, to? They just have to. Well, um, if, they, if they were going to draft, if those guys likely aren't that high of a value, so I do agree that then it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be out of the question for them to trade down. I hope that Rayshon Slater slides to thirteen. That's mm. that's as a Chargers fan, like that's what I want. Um, if I, I think they might, the only reason they wouldn't go offensive line is if. I think if J.C. Horn slides down as the corner, they could use another corner as well. But I think they just have to go offensive line. But if they trade down and those top two are gone, I think I I have 14. I have Minnesota taking Derrissaw in this situation. Um, I still think they need offensive line as well. And then the Chargers could just then take best available because at 13, I think going up and taking any of those other linemen would be kind of a reach at 13. And you wouldn't really be getting much value there. So that's why I feel like they would want to trade down with Miami in that situation. I believe we have a final from Wilson, North Carolina. It looks as if everybody's lining up to shake hands. Yes, that is the case. So officially, the University of Montana soccer team in their fifth ever appearance in the NCAA Women's Soccer Tournament, they lose one nothing to South Carolina in the first round. A goal pretty early on in the second half by South Carolina proves to be the difference. But uh, nonetheless, a banner year for the Grizz soccer team. And because of the COVID year, they have a chance where they could return quite a bit of talent uh, to the uh, to the pitch on the in the fall as well. So we'll see who comes back, who doesn't. You know, a lot of it's going to have to do with school and pretty much nothing else. But to good work by the soccer, Grizz soccer team to get to the NCAA tournament and a tough draw facing a team that's been to the Elite Eight four times in the last seven years. Nuan is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. SWX Montana Television. Sean Rainey with me, Coulter Nuanas. Give you a couple more mock draft picks on the other side to finish things up right here on a Wednesday. Keep it here. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sports Bet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sports Bet Montana location or by using the Sports Bet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sports Bet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sports Bet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sports Bet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Welcome back. Listen to Nuanez now. 
You think Kent likes this song <laughs> on the comeback here? Maybe. You never yeah. know, man. You, yeah. ne- no. you never know. <laughs> That's like when Bob Stitt told me that his favorite band was Cage the Elephant. I was like, yeah. what? Okay, <laughs> cool. Do you, dude. Come on, it's now 1029 ESPN Missoula. SWX Montana Television, Sean Rainey from SWX, joining me, Coulter Nuanas. Missed anything in the show, all sorts of stuff today. Mock draft, the NFL draft's tomorrow. We'll have full coverage for you right here on Nuanas now leading into the full coverage of the actual live draft right after Nuanas now tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's show will be fun. Tucker Sargent's going to swing by his lacrosse team, ranked number three in the country. We'll also probably talk some Patriots football with him. Also, have Brooks Nuana swinging by for some draft analysis as well. And then Kyle Sample is going to sit in the chair, too. So pretty much all things NFL draft tomorrow as well. But Sean and I have been doing a mock draft today. We also talked a little baseball. We did a little trivia. Kent Haslam, University of Montana Athletic Director, came by for our ESPN roundtable. Uh, good conversation with him. Very interesting. We spent about 30 minutes with him. So if you missed anything from this show, any and all of it, check it out on the podcast. All you have to do is go to your podcasting platforms, Type in N-U-A-N-E-Z. Rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. Podcast is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, Sportsbet Montana, and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Couple more picks, because we only got through 13 picks. I just want to do two more here in our little pseudo mock draft. So on the 14th pick, assuming no trades or assuming that no trades involving the Minnesota Vikings would mean the Minnesota Vikings are, is on the clock. And it would be my dream if the Vikings were to have the opportunity to draft Trey Lance. I wish that they would put together something to maybe trade up to get him. I like Lance. I think that he has really high ceiling. I think he has less bust potential than maybe people are, are trying to speculate. He's also from Minneapolis. He would be a, a fan favorite right away because of his regional ties. And I think he's a guy that could really help the Vikings improve. Yeah, I, I think he's really good. I, I just don't think he falls that far. I don't think so either. I yeah. think that there'll be a variety. I mean, the Vikings are going to have to trade. Plus, I don't think the Vikings have as much of a quarterback need as you think they do. Internally, oh, I think that they are not really worried about the quarterback position when I know that you're not super high on Captain Kirk. Oh, man. I just don't know how you can be satisfied with never being able to win a big game. Like if, if if the NFL, if the talent level really is pretty equal because of the salary cap, and then the how many years does he have left? One. Oh, okay. Well, then the yeah. the the, the, uh, the six the the uh, the highest guaranteed contract in NFL history to the, the to that point is uh, if almost finished. If they don't go quarterback, where do they go? Uh, they have a variety of needs. I think that they are. Pretty good at the offensive skill positions, so I don't think that that's yeah. a need. Um, I think that they are, depending on the the health of Daniil Hunter, that would be huge for the defensive front. They had the uh, could go edge because they, they, they had Ngakwe last year, and then that didn't that went awry. So uh, edge could be good. Jalen Phillips out of Miami is kind of like the, I like I like Jalen Phillips rusher. a lot better than uh, just just for the the. Lack of bust potential. I like Jalen Phillips a lot better than Micah Parsons. Parsons is the high ceiling guy. But all the scouting reports I've read out of the Penn State uh, prospect is that they, people say he's either going to be an all-pro in three years or out of the league in three years. And I don't, as a middle of the first round uh, pick, I don't think that that's where you want to go. The, the Vikings also could use a corner. So if there's a corner of, of high quality that's left there, there might be because 
both of us only had one corner going. I haven't even had a corner go, in fact. So Patrick Sertain would also be a great pick there. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with, with Patrick Sertain. Well, I mean, what do you think the Vikings need? Or do you have any predict- Where did I you? Think, I, I, would, I went with Derisaw. I think they go offensive line. Offensive line, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that, that would be a good pick. Okay, finally, to wrap this up, and we'll do more uh, stuff as far as mock draft stuff tomorrow and, and give you all the analysis across the board. But you have the Patriots trading up to get Justin Fields. To number seven with the Lions. So the Lions have moved down, and I think this is where Micah Parsons goes. Yeah. I think he fits in with uh, Dan Campbell and that, uh, you know, we're going to bite ankles, we're going to chew off your legs and all that, whatever the crap that he said. (laughs) And uh, so I think they go with Micah Parsons here. I think they might want to go Micah Parsons at seven. um, But you Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.